0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Fizzle Show. I am your host for the day, Corbett Barr, and I am excited to be with you today. Uh, We are missing the illustrious Chase Reeves for the week, so hopefully you can do without him and uh, instead with me. And I would like to also introduce our co-host for the day. We have Steph Crowder. Steph, say hi.
1: Hey everybody. It feels like it's been a minute. I'm excited to be back.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to be back with you. I think I missed the last episode you were on, so it's been a little mm-hmm. while since we've chatted, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to catch up. We also have today Jen Rao. Jen, hello.
2: Hey, Corbett. Hey, staff. What a fun little threesome we have on today. Yeah, it I is. Love this.
0: Yeah. this is great.
1: I'm like not outnumbered for once by Jen. Yeah, right. <laughs> how, how, how refreshing.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I know sometimes this show can be a sausage fest, but. That's, uh, <laughs> We, we love having both of you on as well and uh, appreciate your opinions. And today we have a very special topic for everybody, which is going to be uh, near and dear to my heart, because this is something that I have been working on for a ridiculous amount of time. Uh, Steph, we were talking before we hit record about the genesis of this project, yes. which really started, I think, almost three years ago at this point. I
1: was going to say, I think this project is as old or older than my daughter, who just turned three in May, <laughs> just to put it <laughs> yep. in perspective.
0: Yeah, and just think about how long that seems to you, right? So
1: long, yes. I mean,
0: Maddie is running around and talking, and yep. and like she's like on her way to becoming a, a little adult human. Yes, yes. And this project that I've been working on is now just finally incubated enough to let it out in the public.
1: You've been pregnant a long time.
0: (laughs) It takes longer to produce software than it does a human. How does that work? That's crazy. I don't know. This is
1: exciting. This is going to be a good topic.
0: Yeah, this is great. So uh, today we're going to introduce you to uh, Palapa, which is software that we've been working on for a couple of years. This is a modern discussion platform for online communities and we're not just going to tell you about palapa but we're also going to share with you 10 things we have learned from over 10 years of running online communities and those aren't all successful online communities i have a couple of stories about things that i started online communities that i started that um just didn't go anywhere that dead ended and that led to a lot of the decisions that we made around uh soft the software that we built palapa but also just the way that we built the fizzle community and other communities as well so uh to start off with i guess steph let's let's think back three years ago do you remember uh we were running the fizzle community on something called ip board which was forum software it's pretty popular forum software it's been around for like 10 or 15 years or so and i know other communities that use it um but at the time you and someone else who was on the fizzle team uh came to me with some concerns about the forums and about what you were seeing happening elsewhere like on Facebook and mm-hmm. and the types of engagement and interactions that were happening there that led us to have this like broad discussion and we actually from there went on to demo like three or four different platforms we tried a bunch of stuff and we'll talk about that in this episode as well but what were the concerns and 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 the questions that we were having back then, if you if you recall?
1: Yeah, totally. I think back, you know, those three three plus years ago, right around three years ago, and I want to say that that was probably right around the time that we started to see Facebook groups emerging quite a bit for online entrepreneurial crowds. Right, so there were these free groups popping up. Uh, there were also groups that were technically like, you didn't have to pay to be in them, but maybe you had to pay for a course to gain access to the private community. And I started seeing uh, more and more that these were like really cool lively places where, um, people from all walks of life who were all trying to build their dream online were coming together to chat. And before that time there, that really, I mean, at least like to me, I hadn't seen that happening so much on social media. We had Twitter. I think Instagram was like kind of just coming into its own Facebook. I actually feel, remember feeling like Facebook was on its way out right before this happened. And then these groups came and suddenly people were connecting and hiring each other. And, promoting their podcasts and growing communities and so we had had like you said IP board in our forums over in fizzle and they were quite lively i mean there were thousands and thousands of incredible conversations i remember when i discovered fizzle as a student myself as a as a customer it was 2014 and gosh, the wealth of knowledge that was in there was like you couldn't put a price tag on it, honestly. But I think where we started to feel the pain is in this like craving for the instantaneous connection that you can feel in something like a Facebook group. Like when someone is replying on Facebook, you're seeing like the little, you know, ellipses, like someone's typing in real time. And I I just started to kind of become a little bit of a pain point noticing How quickly you could get a response on something like Facebook, whereas with a forum, it just has a more static feel to it. You may have to wait hours, perhaps even 24 hours to to get a reply. And on top of that, you can't really tell very easily who's online. And so in this online business world where my, I mean, one of my huge beliefs is that all of us are looking for more connection. It's easy to lose that. I think we really crave that very human um, desire to be connected to one another, to be part of something. When you're looking at topics in sort of like a higher, like a hierarchy or like a chronological topical board, you don't get that same exact sense of camaraderie. And so once we started comparing that to Facebook, we were kind of like, well, but geez, that's, that, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this, but like that's Facebook, like that's a whole can of worms. And so all of these discussions started to unfold where we were like, is there, is there any middle ground here? And it really didn't feel like there was.
0: Yes, exactly. And and I, I love the way that you just framed that around the camaraderie and the connection. Yeah. And that um, forums really are about, to me, they're about the information. Yes. And about the data and not so much about the people. And um, this led to us evaluating, as I said, several different platforms. Um, of course, we looked at Facebook groups and and ruled it out for various reasons. And and we'll talk about that a little bit later in, in um, the section about pros and cons and things that we've learned from running communities, because there are situations where Facebook groups make sense and there are reasons why it might not make sense, like in our case. But... Uh, we looked at the features that made sense in a platform like Facebook, the features that made sense in a platform like forums. And then also, uh, you know, there are these modern messaging platforms that have become really popular. In fact, one of them just went public for a gazillion dollars last week, which is Slack. Mm -hmm. And, um, there, there is Slack, which is really just real time messaging, um, in a modern sort of platform. And then there are a lot of what I call Slack alikes, which are, you know, just other, other um, platforms that are based on that real time messaging aspect. And so as we evaluated those, we actually didn't just look at the software, but we rolled out little mini versions of our community um, with like 50 people at a time to judge what the engagement was to ask people their feedback and so on. And there were pros and cons to each. And to me, at the end of the day, what we've tried to do with Palapa is to position it exactly in that middle space, which sits somewhere between traditional forums and messaging. And this is really aimed to fit the needs of our community and other communities that we know are out there. And so the best parts that we tried to choose from each one, from forums, for example, the best parts of forums are the fact that it has this long-term searchability of content and this ability to discover content, right? Um, it's it's just uh, the, the format has been around forever. You know that if there's a great post in there that you can pin it somewhere or be able to access it over time. So we wanted to keep that long-term searchability, but at the same time, we wanted to move towards this benefit you get from social feeds, which is the engagement along with what I consider to be almost an equal focus on people and content at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about the information about the fact that there's a post, but it's about who wrote that post and what are they all about? And do I want to connect with this person? And what can I learn about them? And um, realizing that in online communities like ours, you don't just go there for an answer to your problem. Because the real benefit in an online community is the people that you meet and the relationships that you establish and the places that you like your business ends up going because you met someone and not just business, but I mean, there are, there are communities obviously on all kinds of things, but, um, the place that your life ends up going because you met someone on this quirky little online community, this forum or whatever, think about all the relationships that, that, you know, you have Jen, you were just mentioning right before this. That you met someone on steph 's community who lives in San Diego that you 've never met in person, but you you know that you will one day because you're you 're great friends now
2: mm-hmm. absolutely i think we're we 're past the days of being scared of meeting people on the internet it 's an exciting time, <laughs> time to be alive <laughs>
0: right right. Yeah. How many people uh you know do you know now who have met their their spouse or partner or whatever mm-hmm. on the internet, which was like a joke for a long time, and uh now it 's just a regular part of of daily life and, and doing business. So I think, you know, initially people, um, thought that the internet would, and because of its anonymity would be more focused on information, but we've recognized now that it, that it's really important to connect as humans. And, and then the third thing that, that Steph brought up that we've really tried to build into the platform is this real time engagement and, um, ephemeral conversation sort of component, because if you've spent time in Slack or another messaging platform, you know, how, important that is, especially if you're trying to just get something done right there to be able to ping messages back and forth really quickly, like you do, you know, in a text message or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't want that to be the core experience that has its own use case, but it's not the thing that, um, you should build in as the central feature because to the detriment of, of your day to day, if you've ever spent time in Slack, you know, that if you go on, a vacation or something and you come back and you try to catch up on the <laughs> conversations that have been happening, it's like, wait, what, <laughs> why are we talking about this? And what's the context here? And you have to like scroll up a million pages to figure out where the conversation started and why it headed this direction. Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. use Slack internally for quite a while. You remember that stuff when- Oh, yeah. As a team, and we only had, you know, five or four or five or six people in there at once. And even with that, it can become sort of distracting on a day-to-day basis. And also, like I said, hard to catch up or to find something that you had talked about before.
1: Right. That's what I was going to add is I think sometimes one of the challenges of those super real-time platforms is that, like, you, you can have these really juicy, helpful discussions and then they're gone, right? Like they disappear. There's not a good way to share information that happened even days ago. Um, this is even mm-hmm. true on Facebook to a degree. You can The search function is actually pretty decent in Facebook groups. But yeah. if you're in, like, I manage communities on Facebook and people are asking the same questions over and over again, mm-hmm. um, even with the search button, and it can be hard to point people back to the right stuff. So it's a very fine line between, like, how do you balance the real time connection that people really want with that information and that wealth of data, like you were talking about with more forum style Corbett.
0: Yeah. And, um, it's funny because like public consciousness, I feel like, especially if you're in, uh, tech or just, you know, in, in workplace environments, like most workplaces have some kind of, uh, community built Mm -hmm. in like where, where employees are talking, uh, and, I feel like, you know, we have evolved from email, obviously, was the primary form of communication. And we went through this period where Slack was just taking over the world. And it probably still is, given the fact that they had an IPO and they're worth billions of dollars. But there's a backlash to that, that being plugged in every moment of every day. And so the pendulum has kind of swung in both directions. And what we're betting on is that for communities for online course builders, for membership sites, for uh, group coaching, those sorts of applications that with Palapa, we've settled on a uh, feature set that really fits that need well. And so Mm -hmm. um, let me just explain a little bit more what Palapa is about, and then I want to get into 10 things that we've learned about building online communities that will work regardless of the platform that you are using, whether that be Facebook or Palapa or traditional forums or Slack or anything else.
1: Before you get into that, Corbett, real quick, can I just say something really important about the what I've learned in running courage and clarity for the past year and a half or so, whatever it's been? I just want to make a really strong statement about communities in general, which is if you're trying to offer coaching, group coaching courses, like you guys have to be paying attention to community. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is so this this is non optional, like non negotiable. (laughs) This is the type of thing that. I, I, I honestly believe it will make or break the success of what you're building, especially like with every passing year, information is cheap. Like I find myself saying that a lot. Information is dirt cheap online. And there are few things, if any, that haven't been done to some degree. So I believe where all of us can really stand out is in your ability to build a community that people are obsessed with, that people rave about, that they like can't wait to wake up and log on so that they can connect with people and learn. And so before we even get into this, I just want to make sure, because I'm a course creator myself, for those of you who consider yourselves course creators or on a path to becoming a course creator, community, in my experience, has been the number one differentiating factor. People will follow you off a cliff if they feel like you have created a space that is supportive, informative, helpful, and safe. And so I just have feel like I have to underscore the importance, like how excited I am about Palapa, because this is just so key for this type of business. It's absolutely crucial. And so that's just my my PSA for people out there who are aspiring to, you know, they dream of being able to, like, (laughs) make money while you sleep and all that good stuff. I think we hear about that passive income and it's all exciting. But let me tell you, the community stuff like that's where the rubber meets the road.
0: Yeah, it's funny because um I think over the episodes that we have um you know 327 episodes now of the Fizzle show we've stressed a lot that email is one of the keys to building yep. your business, right? And I think that if I had to choose between email and having a community, it would be a tough call mm-hmm. honestly. Um, because email is such a great channel for broadcasting things to a bunch of people and, and so on, but community is such a deep channel. It's sort of like the difference to me between blogging versus podcasting, right? Mm -hmm. Blogging is a, a broad stroke sort of application where you can reach a lot of people in a very shallow way, sort of like you can with email, whereas uh, podcasting is such a deep way to reach people. If someone listens to you for an hour, they feel so connected to you. And the same is true of community. It's such a great way to establish these really deep relationships with customers that will go places that you can't even imagine because some customers might become more than customers. They might be employees or business partners or something crazy one day because you've been able to connect with them on a level that you really can't do through a product alone. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And actually that was the first part of what I wanted to say that we've learned over the past 10 years of running communities, just that there are these enormous benefits that you gain from running a community from customer satisfaction and longevity Uh, We've always said that at Fizzle, people come for the courses, but they stay for the community. And we've, you know, have seen that stay true for the past six years that we've been doing it. Uh, We know that customers stick around longer if they become engaged in the community. We know that we are so much more connected and close to our customers because we have a community. And this is, you know, to get a little philosophical about what a business is, A business is a hypothesis that that you have that, you know, there are people out there who have a a problem that you can solve in a way that they'll be willing to pay for. And in order to prove that hypothesis, and by the way, it's not a one time thing, you have to continually prove it and evolve. But in order to prove that you need to be as close to your customers as possible. And we often talk about customer conversations as one of the first steps in doing that, but One of the long-term steps, one of the best ways you can do that is to have a community because now if you need to draw on someone's opinion, you have faces to put to um, to, to the, the names and to be able to reach out to people and say, Hey, so, and so Vicky or whoever it is in your community, who's really active at the time. Hey, uh, I, we're thinking about doing this thing. What do you think about it? Or we just rolled out this new feature. Like what, what should we change about it? And, and you can just reach out to customers as easy as you could reach out to friends because you get to know these people so well. And that's something that you can't do with an email list.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. So I love that point so much because it feels good on the providers end and the student or community members end like people want to help and with an email list sometimes you feel like you're typing and it you know it's going out you just don't know everyone on your email list but anyone that's showing up and providing help and communicating in forums like you really get to know them and you get to know their projects or whatever whatever they're working on and it it really it really ups the feel-good factor. And it,
0: feedback is just so important. I can't, you know, if if we wanted to peel the onion back a little bit further, you know, and, and we talk about the, the importance of email or community or whatever, at the end of the day, I don't know if there's anything much more important than feedback in running a business. Mm-hmm. And uh, community just gives you so much opportunity for feedback. Uh, Steph, you posted in Courage and Clarity the other day in your Facebook group, I, I was spying, uh, I saw that, that you had oh uh, an interaction with a real a-hole last week and that yeah. interaction was over email, yes. right? You yes. had broadcast an email and, and tell everybody what happened.
1: Oh my gosh. This was great because it became, I, I'm sure you saw like what a robust discussion this became. I don't, don't even know how many comments were on this post, but um, and it's funny cause I saw Pat Flynn posted something similar on Instagram the other day about how in the same like moment that he was sitting down to check his email, he got one email from someone who was like, you've changed my life. And like, I wouldn't be here without you. And very next email was like, I hate you and you've gone <laughs> off the rails. And so it's really just like, this is just one of those things. I think when you're out there creating every, you know, you hear like haters going to hate and it's true. I just got this like totally inflammatory email that was so over the top that it, It wasn't even like, it didn't even feel personal to me. So it didn't even hurt. Like it wasn't about, really wasn't about me. It was so absurd. Um, But this particular individual was really upset that I had, I guess technically I had used an expletive, but I actually had like bleeped it out in my email, like with, you know, an asterisk and an at sign or something. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like the PG mom version. And he wrote back and he was like, and we've seen this actually a lot at Fizzle. I remember when I was going through email at Fizzle, people sometimes, and I understand if you're one of those people listening, maybe you don't like, curse words and that's fine. But this person wrote me back and said, um, you know, anybody who has to use expletives in an email, like truly hasn't taken the time to understand the English language. And that makes me not want to buy from you. Okay. Fair enough. But then he went on to use the F word at me as well as I think another curse word. So it was, it was funny. It was ironic, but it was also like over the top rude. And so I posted it in the community over at the Courage and Clarity community um, just to start a discussion around like, hey, don't let crazy emails like this and crazy feedback like this be the reason that you don't put stuff out there because it can be really scary. Every time you hit publish, you're taking a risk that somebody's not going to like what you're saying. Actually, I think if you're doing it right, there's somebody who's not going to like what you're saying. And so it was really fun to see, you know, like tens and tens of comments of people who were who were like, you know, this is actually my my biggest takeaway from that discussion. Someone said, you know, Steph, I assume that at your level doing this for a while, you put so much value into the world. I assume that everybody likes you and you get nothing but good feedback. And I was really struck by that. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's far from the truth. But it's really easy, I think, to assume that maybe the people you look up to or the people you're learning from. I know the people that I look up to, I still get in patterns of feeling like they're untouchable or that it's easy for them. And I think one of the cool things that community allows you to do is like show your real side, like show your struggles, um, whether that's like, hey, for me, for example, I'm 30 weeks pregnant today. That is really hard. And I like using my community to share about those challenges or maybe it's a challenge of getting a tough email. But that can be a really cool thing you can leverage in your community is to show a little bit more of your rough edges than I think you would be able to on your podcast or in your email list.
0: Yeah, and and um, I appreciate that you shared that. It's the perfect kind of thing to share with your community. But the takeaway for me from a, net, a meta standpoint um, really is the difference between email and community and the anonymity that's associated with email that's inherent to it, um, just leads people to feel like they can be a holes to you, which is crazy because you would never talk to someone like that in person. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. to me, a community is somewhere in between those. Obviously it's not in person, but because certain kinds of communities, uh, the way that you build the community and the software that you use, can really put faces to names and remove some of that anonymity and connect you much closer, so that either a holes like that won't even participate, or n- people who, for one reason or another, had a bad day and decided to take it out on you because you're just this like figurehead, right? Uh, wouldn't do that in a community. I can't remember the last time, or if ever, we have gotten anything really nasty posted in the community.
1: Yes, that's true, right?
0: Whereas it happens all the time in email, it's right? It's such a
1: weird thing if you think about <laughs> yeah. it.
0: It is a weird thing, but it's like, uh, you know, when, and and this is another thing we'll talk about later, but, um, you know, the, the rules, the ground rules, the code of conduct, those sorts of things, whether they're written or not, matter a lot in the way that your community interacts with you. And so if you are able to remove some of the anonymity, I think that people... Um, just act more like good social you know humans yes and uh they're they're more polite to you and, and what that means is that you're able to get more realistic feedback from people instead of people just saying i hate you you've gone off the rails they would be more inclu- inclined to tell you why and that's yeah. really what you need in terms of feedback you don't need a bunch of sugar-coated everything's amazing everything's unicorns and rainbows kind of feedback what you need is um the kind of feedback that you might get from a sibling, you know, who, Mm -hmm. who actually cares for you, but is, Mm -hmm. is willing to tell you what's up. So that's, that's just, uh, you know, to add to the list of benefits of having a community, that feedback piece is really key.
1: Absolutely. So, um,
0: before we jump too far into, uh, what we've learned from running online communities, I don't want to bury the lead here because this is a big day for me today, I've been working on this software with uh, the rest of the Fizzle team and um, a developer named Eligius Krepsta, who lives in Lithuania, who has been working alongside um, myself and, and others for two years working on this software. And so I, I don't want to bury the lead here because today is the first day that this software is public and I would love for people to check it out. And uh, if you have been thinking about running an online community or you've been running one, but it hasn't been going so well, or you've been frustrated by the software platform that you chose, whether that be IP board or Facebook groups or anything else, uh, I would love for you to give Palapa a shot. And so let me just explain a little bit more. As I said, this is a discussion platform for online communities. You can think of it as sitting between traditional forums and modern messaging, modern real-time messaging platforms. We really have tried to build the best parts of forums, of social feeds, and of messaging apps together for online course builders, for membership site owners, for coaches who are running group programs. And even for small work teams like uh, Fizzle, for example, we've used it internally at Fizzle for a number of years uh, just for the team members to communicate, as well as it has been powering the Fizzle community for over a year now. So, you know, if you have been thinking about running a community you or you've been running one, you probably have done this evaluation where you've thought about like, well, what software should I use? And you've looked at Um, IP board, you've looked at discourse, maybe you've looked at Facebook groups, maybe you've looked at Mighty Networks or Slack. There are a lot of different choices out there. And if you did the same kind of evaluation as we did, you found that for one reason or another, each of these didn't quite fit the bill. And um we have built Palapa for the fizzle community and for other communities like ours because of uh the reasons that we've we've already talked about. One other thing that we should mention is that it's ad free it's distraction free you don't have to worry about people who are inside of here like getting distracted by other stuff going on because they are here uh 100 percent for you and your community there's no spyware privacy issues all that kind of stuff that you might have to worry about with facebook and others so it is available to the public today palapa at palapa.co you can go and sign up for your own community start um, kicking the tires testing it out seeing what the software looks like and uh, we really want to help people get their own communities off the ground so if you sign up in july i will reach out to you and ask you what you're working on and um, try to help you make a plan for either moving from whatever platform you're already on or for getting your own community off the ground, so if you sign up during July, expect to get an email from me, and um, I will do anything I can to help you succeed with your community and uh, to make Palapa the right kind of platform for you. So, so exciting! Um, yeah, mm-hmm. this is exciting.
1: So it's p a l a p a dot c o.
0: You got correct? it. And Just in um, case anybody
1: wanted the spelling.
0: Yes. And if you're not familiar with with what palapa means, uh, there's there's the best way to figure out what a palapa is, I think, is to watch season five or four of Silicon Valley, which is just an amazing show. If you've never seen it, it's an HBO show that kind of parodies the culture that happens in Silicon Valley around venture capital backed startups and so on. Um, But in one of those, TJ Miller, who's uh, one of the actors on the show, gets obsessed with something called a palapa. <laughs> and for me, uh, it has other meanings. It's had meanings, meaning for a long time because a palapa is something that exists all over Mexico mm-hmm. and in other countries, in the Philippines as well. A palapa is a um, thatched roof structure that is typically uh, open on most sides, outdoors, and has palm fronds for the roof. And if you live in a hot climate, uh, you need refuge from... Uh, the outdoor elements. And so it's this sort of public, sort of private place where you can have a nice conversation. Mm -hmm. And when we were brainstorming names for the software, we were in Mexico with a group of friends and um, we were talking about all kinds of options and we happened to be sitting under a palapa (laughs) while we were having this conversation. (laughs) So it just made so much sense. And and that's why we called it palapa. So palapa.co, P-A-L-A-P-A dot C-O. Yeah. Anything else I should say about the software before we jump into our learnings?
1: You know, for me, like getting to see it as it was being developed and like I, we started the episode talking about the pain points, it really is very cool to see all of the most ideal elements from these different options coming together on one platform. Um, I What I love about it is you know, you've got the real time feel like the minute you get in there, it's really cool because you can see who's online, which like for me, I just love that little green bubble. It's like, who's here? Who can I talk to? Um, you've got like this main area where people are discussing, but it's it's, got that topic feeling to it. So it's not like Facebook where the feed is like disappearing faster than you can even, you go upstairs to make lunch, you come downstairs and everything's different. It's not really like that. Like it feels as though the conversations are more permanent, more meaningful, have more substance to them. It's just amazing to me that you've been able and it's taken a long time and it shows but the the way that you've been able to blend meaningful discussion that is actually juicy and meaty and in some ways almost blog post like if you want it to be with real-time discussion with connection it's very much what's missing in this space and I'm excited about it if you can't tell because it's <laughs> it's a pain point it's hard it's it's hard being a course creator and a coach out there who's like like I said for me I'm on Facebook and Oh my God, what a can of worms that is every time I log on to manage my communities, I'm like, Oh, look at that cute video of the dog on the trampoline. And it's like, you know, it's, it's really tough. And so it's, it's just really cool to see all these elements coming together in one place.
0: Awesome. Yeah. yeah thanks yeah. Steph. And, and, um, I should mention what, you know, running, uh, two businesses at once. This is a whole other episode that <laughs> we will do at some point. And I know we've talked about it a little bit, but Jen, it, bless her heart and and Joe and Aiden on the fizzle team, um, especially for the past couple of months, they have just not seen much of me at all getting ready for this launch um, but you know over the the course of the past couple of years, as we 've been working on this it 's just been such a struggle trying to maintain one business while running another. Of course, there are tons of benefits to that it 's been amazing to have a business that can run without so much care and feeding and uh, in a lot of ways fund the development of a new product, which is great. Um, But I would love to do that episode at some point Mm -hmm. because there are tons and tons of things to learn about it there. So, um, you know, the building software is tough. It's taking, taking a long time, partly just because software is complicated, um, partly because I've been running two businesses and also because, we really have focused on the features of the product as well as the performance at the same time. And this thing is just lightning quick uh, lately with a bunch of changes that we've made under the hood. And that to me is really important as well, because the last thing you want as a community owner is to have, you know, a platform that kind of works, but then it's frustrating because people keep getting hung up with performance issues and so on. And you just can't afford to, uh, turn off your community members before they even get started with, uh, junkie performance. So right. that's something else that we focused on. And, um, if for people who have been inside the physical community, um, you've seen what it's like, uh, if you haven't been around in the past couple of months, you should come back because, um, there have been some dramatic changes that have made it even more usable. And, um, mm-hmm. you can see it in action at the physical community. So um, that's over at fizzle.co. Jen, did you have anything to add before we move on?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. So I've seen seen this design uh, evolve over the years. I've been in fizzle since 2017 and on the team since last year. But I think my absolute favorite thing that you added recently is the fact that the main feed, um, you can either look at it from the most popular posts or with like the simplest click of a button, you can look at it chronologically. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that is that, um, when you're on another platform, you're always like at at the hands of the algorithm and you're not really sure who's seeing what. Um, I think Steph has been a master of growing such an incredible, um, Facebook community that she has incredible engagement on most posts uh, but coming from someone who's got a smaller uh, community right now on Facebook. So I've over 200 members, sometimes only 40 people see what I post or what another member Mm -hmm. posts. It could be even lower. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love the control that a business owner can have over if they get the right people into Palapa, um, you know, people are actually seeing what they need to see. And if someone likes seeing the most popular posts, that's what they'll see. And I, we've had other people say, Oh, I really like it chronological It's like, well, cool. You can, you can choose that on your own. And I just think that's so cool.
0: Yeah. You can just click that button and it's not buried. No, uh, like today. Um, when I was over on, on Facebook, I was trying to find the latest posts to see, um, what had been going on. And it takes a minute to find that little drop down thing and click it and so on. So Mm -hmm. those are lessons that we've learned. Uh, Another thing that I love that we've added recently is, uh, you know, we have trending posts so that you can see kind of what's hot right now versus what's (laughs) been hot in the past week or the past month. Like Uh, the hot
2: gift thread.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Hot gifts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That sort of thing. Um, and then also, uh, we have really put the focus on individuals building up their profile within the community based on what they have posted. So when you're reading a post from someone, it will show right next to that post other things that that person has posted recently. So it's not just about the community. Mm -hmm. It's about the people inside the community and what they've been posting. So there's all kinds of fun little things like that um, that uh, will be available over at palapa.co uh under the features page which uh I will be writing between now and when this airs
1: <laughs> no pressure
0: <laughs> no pressure which is part of the fun of launching yeah. a new product is like oh yeah I need the other pieces to go along with the product to explain what it but does you just got
1: to you just got to go 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 no time go, for paralysis <laughs>
0: do, go go go
1: you know that control aspect that Jen just brought to the mix is a really good point um, Gosh, and we talk. We've talked about this a number of times here on the Fizzle Show in terms of why we like email so much, right? Because when you have your People on your email list, like you get to you get so much more control in terms of getting to be in touch and being in people's inboxes. And you know, we we've done a few episodes, I think, on like the difference between renting somebody else's land versus kind of establishing your own. It's kind of like that same conversation all over again, Uh, because as Jen said very sweetly of you, Jen, I have had a lot of luck right now on Facebook with my community. But let me tell you, over on Instagram. Thank God! I just found this. Actually, I saw there was like a big algorithm change on June first, and my engagement has absolutely tanked. And it is so frustrating mm-hmm. as a business owner mm-hmm. to feel like we're already working so hard to create like the content and put it out there, and you get up the guts, and then and then they limit your reach. I mean, man, that's just really frustrating. So it's really cool that there's this that Palapa is now kind of a space. Reminds me of email, where once you get people in there. You're in front of them. You're not at the mercy of what Zuckerberg wants to do, which can be, mm-hmm. extreme. it's great when it works and it's horrible when it doesn't.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, like, it's it's like the three little pigs, right? Mm-hmm. It, do you want to build your house out of stone um, or out of twigs? And there are benefits, obviously, to being in a social platform like Instagram because there are, are millions and millions of people there. So you get access to those people. But right. if you start getting traction there, you have to be investing in yourself and the the solidity the um, sustainability of your business in the long term and if your business is built entirely on somebody else's platform then you just have to be okay with the fact that they can take away take it away overnight absolutely and and this is true of Instagram it's true of Facebook it's true of Google search. We've heard this a million times, where somebody has so much traffic coming to their website, and then Google changes their algorithm, and everything goes away. So, yeah. by building your own email list, by building your own community based on your own uh, controllable environment and software, then you own the terms of engagement, which is a really powerful thing. So, you know, it, it's it's amazing to see. Um, Even with podcasting, podcasting is great because there's not really any middlemen between uh, you and your audience versus like network TV. If the network decided that somebody else was getting your slot, then you were done, you know, Mm -hmm. so um, thanks for bringing that up as well. All right. I want to make sure that we have enough time to talk about lessons learned. So we already covered the enormous benefits to running a community. The next thing that I had here was about the care and feeding. So let's get into the things that you need to do to make your community thrive. This is a lot of what we've learned. I think aside from, you know, the benefits and aside from which software to use and so on, when we think about running a community, any community, on any platform. There are certain things that you need to do to make it work. And I know firsthand that you can't just throw up some software, send an email out, and then sit back and watch the community (laughs) thrive because I've tried that before. Way back in the day, um, I had several attempts at building communities that didn't work. And I know how frustrating that can be. So care and feeding comes to mind as one of the first things. And from my standpoint, what this means is that you or someone or all of your team need to be dedicated to engaging with the community. And that means real time. That means you have to be in there frequently spending time, responding to people, encouraging people, posting things for people to read and to respond to because it won't grow on its own, especially not right away. And so you know, we talk about the benefits of running a community. Well, anything with benefits is going to have a cost to it. And the cost of running a community is that it's going to take some of your time. Now that can be a lot of fun time. You know, that's, that's one of the, um, most enjoyable parts of my day is spending time in the community, but it does mean that you have to, um, especially in the beginning plan ahead for setting aside time to focus on the community. Ideally, for the first several months, I would advocate for uh, setting aside a couple of hours a day for you, if possible, to be in there in the community posting and so on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what your experience has been, Steph or Jen, but do you care to add to that?
1: I would definitely agree I that- think it, it's- Oh, sorry. You, Jen, you go ahead. <laughs>
2: I think it's such an important point to bring up because so often in Fizzle and Encouraging Clarity, we see people starting communities and they think they're failing right off the bat if it doesn't flourish right away. So like, listen to the man, Corbett, because it's absolutely true. It's going to take some legwork on your end and you're not failing if you have to put in a lot of effort, like you need to have it achieve a certain level of liftoff where you can create a little bit of space, but it absolutely takes time. It is not a natural thing that just happens for the successful people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was going to be what I would say as well as you can expect in the beginning. it is. I tell people it's going to take more time. You're going to need to be in there daily when you're just getting started. But I have absolutely felt that that has, I've been able to back off of that as my community has become more self-sufficient. Now I'm in there and I'm present and all of that stuff, but it's certainly not like it was in the very beginning. And I think one of the things, uh, that you can do, this might be something that I would put on the table in terms of like what I've learned about building a great community and whether you use Palapa or wherever you're building a community, um, making it a place where there's exclusive content is re- really a cool thing to do. So, um for me I've hosted a couple different challenges over the time, you know, over Courage and Clarity's life and uh, people who know, who people who have uh, participated in my challenges know that if you're in the, not in the Facebook group, uh, you're going to miss like the core of the content. You get an email every day with a lesson, but like these really juicy action-packed uh, Facebook live kind of like mini classes are happening every day in my challenges. And then those go on to live inside of the group so people can come and find them later. So that's one of the things you can do. I, I it's it's interesting because I want people to know that when you start a community, it is going to take some upfront investment. But I also see that scaring people off. Some people are like, oh, I'm not going to start a community because I don't have that kind of time. First of all, I like I said earlier, I feel like it's non-optional. But secondly, if you put your emphasis on how can I create exclusive content that can only be found in this like really cool space, I think that has a bit of a snowball effect that can be really mm-hmm. useful.
2: And I think there's a big difference between talking at your community versus talking with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can really, uh, what I love doing in Fizzle now, especially is connecting different members. So if I see a post go up, it doesn't have to be about my answer to what they're asking. If I know two or three other members that are in the same Uh, niche that the person's posting about or just might have some valuable ideas to add like that's such a good feeling of tagging someone else and then that person gets that boost of like oh wow I got you know I sometimes I'll say like hey sorry to put you on the spot but generally people love it and they 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 come with the answers you know and and then they've made a new friend in the community it's really cool
1: Mm -hmm.
2: love it yeah
1: Yeah. I, I would just add one quick thing to that which is I that's so smart of you, Jen. And I, it reminds me of when I first joined the Fizzle team. I'll never forget this. This is a shout out to good old Barrett Brooks. He taught me this one. <laughs> when I came onto the team and took over the community, um, he said something that just has stuck with me, which is that, hey, when you're on the team, whether you're the leader of the team or a team member, when you chime in in your community, people tend to, they can kind of take it as like the last word, right? Like the, the last and final. And so we kind of always had this unspoken rule in Fizzle that we would kind of try to let a post sort of like get some breathing room before someone from Team Fizzle would give their opinion or their feedback, because it sort of discourages other members from jumping in. And I've learned over the years that this was such valuable advice, because that is what helps you create a community where people feel safe giving each other feedback. You don't want to create a community where people are like, well, I'm going to wait for Team Fizzle to respond or I'm going to wait for Steph to respond because that's a prison, right? You really want to create Mm -hmm. a community where people feel empowered to be expert. And I think by you tagging other people in, Jen, that's a really great example of how you can do that.
0: I love that uh because I, I think you you could uh back yourself into a corner where you make the community almost like a Q&A for yourself. Yep. Where it's just constantly this uh each post is really just a question to you mm-hmm. and the reply section is just like your answer to that question. Exactly. And you don't need a fancy community software to do that. <laughs> you could do that just in an <laughs> email or something and um I think that For some people, you know, I guess that could be your goal. Maybe you want to be the expert, um, but that doesn't become a self-sustaining thing that requires you to be there to answer everything. And you'll find that it's really easy to burn out on that um, over time. And also, you know, there are amazingly talented people inside of your community with all kinds of uh, different points of view and opinions and expertise. And if you can draw that out of people and empower them to participate in your community and to share the um, amazing wealth of knowledge and experience that they have, then everybody benefits from that. You know, it, it, the community becomes much more than just, your knowledge and what you can share. And that, that should be the ultimate goal to make the community, uh, self-sustaining by empowering people. So that, you know, if we were going to write a list of rules, I would say empowering your community members to feel like they can take ownership of what they know and of the community itself in certain ways. That's, that's a really important step.
2: Yeah, and it can be such a confidence booster too, because I remember coming into Fizzle brand new to the online space, but. Being a part of Fizzle and answering people's questions helped me realize and bring forth the all of the work experience I had had for the whole rest of my life, where sometimes you come online and you think like, oh, I'm starting all over again. Um, and so just being in that empowered space where I could answer questions or offer insights, I remember that being like a real little turning point for me and my confidence in growing online.
0: Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Um, all right. So we've, we've talked about care and feeding a little bit. Uh, we've talked about including exclu- exclusive content. That's a great tip, Steph. Um, something that, that, um, I, I don't remember which of you said it, uh, Jen, actually, I think, uh, you talked about this, this idea of talking with your community and not at them. I love that. And, um, I would just, uh, uh, summarize that maybe as saying, be a community member yourself. Uh, and this is something I've tried to do along the way, um, where I don't just, you know, act as the community facilitator, but sometimes post things that are going on in my life, in, in my business and so on, um, as a community member, because there are benefits that I can gain just as a member, not, not as the, you know, operator or facilitator of that. So that's a great tip as well, because it, it not only, um, helps people feel, like uh, they are able to own some of the conversations, but it also helps you to understand what the community value is for the members, to put yourself in the shoes of a member and act as a member and to try to gain some of the value that other people are getting from it to see how useful that really is and how you should approach things. So that's that's a great way, um, another great tip as well. Um, okay, let's see. I, I would love to also talk about getting help from active members. So Mm. you don't necessarily just have to rely on yourself or, uh, people that you hire to encourage and grow and foster the community, but you'll find along the way that there are going to be people who really step up and become very visible, very vocal, um, very engaging, um, people within the community. And you can harness that and leverage that and encourage those people, We have uh, a long history at Fizzle. We've been running this community for six years and we've seen that some of those people will come and go as well. And that's Mm -hmm. a natural part of the evolution of a community. Um, But along the way, if you sort of recognize those people, if you reach out to them individually and encourage them and appreciate them and thank them for what they've done, then you can really get a lot of contributions from people that can make the community much stronger. So uh, I think it might be natural for some people to feel like they need to be the expert inside of their community if they own it, and they might feel threatened or something by people who are stepping up and, and being vocal and so on. But We've really tried to go the other way with it and encourage that, and uh, it has really paid off over the years with people just because I can't be in there all the time, and, and our team members have you know all kinds of other things that they need to be doing. So any time that people are willing to be in there spending time um, being vocal and so on is is valuable to us. Are there things that we've done? especially Steph or Jen, uh, over the years in fizzle that, that you can think of to encourage that, that have worked out if, or or are there things that you've done with your own community?
1: It's crazy. As you're talking about this, what comes to mind for me is how easy this can be to to empower people. Like, like a little goes a long way. What comes to mind is like this is going all the way back in fizzle days and like old school fizzlers will recognize this, but uh, we had those fizzle whizzes. Is that what we called them? Fizzle whiz, yeah. Like it was right next to somebody's name. I think if you were a founding member or somebody who was, who'd been in there a while, had a certain number of posts, you had a little like orange, I think it was uh, title next to your name that said fizzle whiz. And it was, It's just kind of like a badge of honor in the community where it was very prominent, where when you weighed in, that was next to your name. And people seemed to really get a lot out of it. Those people were very active and and really helpful. And so uh, that would be one area where like, again, something like Facebook falls short. There's no way that I can put, you know, Courage and Clarity, whiz or something. You can't really play with somebody's name inside of the platform, uh, but you can, you know, think of little ways that you can just think. It's funny that it can be something small, just to say, "Hey, thanks for being active. Thanks for being one of the first people in here." Um, but that—that's the first one that comes to mind for me.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I would say that that was that was like a, a manual thing that we did uh, within our software at the time, which was IP Board, and um, that was really useful. However, the mistake that we made with that, I think, was not keeping up on it and not renewing those titles or whatever it was. We kind of just anointed people and then didn't think forward to, well, what about five years from now when maybe those people won't even be here anymore? Like, how do we kind of keep that spirit alive? So with Palapa, one of the things that we've rolled out recently that I love is, um, a series of badges that are automated inside of the community. So for example, uh, when you're just browsing all topics to see what's hot right now, you'll see that there's a little box in the upper right hand corner that will show you the people who have been most helpful this week. Mm. And what that means is these are the people who have posted the most replied, the most, and gotten the most likes on the replies that they have posted. So uh, it's just a way of recognizing people for their contributions, and this happens on a real-time basis. So that list of most helpful people this week is constantly changing. So it encourages people to participate and then rewards them for doing so, and that's something that can go a long way. Mm. In addition to Mm -hmm. most helpful, um, if you go and look at the members list, you'll see that there are several other badges. We also have just a top contributor badge, and this is just the people who have the greatest overall reputation because um, it's great to be recognized as most helpful from week to week. But if you aren't around this week, you should also be recognized if you have been one of the continuous top contributors for a period of time. And so that will change, but that's a slower to change kind of badge. These are people who have been around for several years and have been contributing. Uh, We also have uh, ways to look at the people who have been most recently seen the newest members in the community, the admins and so on. So those little badges, I think can go a long way. And regardless of the platform that you're using, If you're in Slack or in Facebook groups or something, if there's some way for you to recognize people, you may have to be clever about it technologically to figure out a way to add a little badge or something. But it all starts with letting people know that you appreciate them and their contributions and then maybe extending that through an announcement or a badge or something to show Mm -hmm. that you actually care about them to the rest of the community as well.
2: Right, and as, um, as a community facilitator, if you are using Palapa and you see that you know, the most helpful week after week after week are the three people on your team, um, you know that you have some culture to create because that's what I love about what's happening in Fizzle right now and especially as everyone's getting more and more used to using the most updated uh, version of Palapa that we have is that you're starting to see these, these newer names pop up um, and it's just exciting to see that people are really digging in and making use of the platform. Um, and I like to, like uh, I can think of probably five, at least five people in Fizzle right now. And I think of them as the culture keepers, you know, so it can't only be up to your team. You absolutely lead with the culture, but it has to be people in the community that are willing to hold it up for you and with you. And like, they're on board. So this version of Paloppo just makes it so easy to see who those people are and give them, give them their little high fives.
0: Yes. Little high fives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm always, I'm always high fiving in the,
2: in the forums. Hey guys, I'm high fiving. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Uh, all right, cool. Thank you so much for, for adding to that. Um, let's see the, the next thing that I wanted to mention here, um, are that you really need to set the tone In your community. And there are a number of ways that you can do this. I've seen people um, actually post sort of like a code of conduct or something, or uh, to when when someone joins the community to send them a little note and just let them know how the community operates. Uh, That's one way to do it. But overall, and and I would love to um, talk about what you've done, Steph and, and Jen as well, specifically, in Fizzle, what we have done, I would say is more of an intangible kind of code of conduct. But it's very much there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is organic and it sort of grows along the way, but it, it starts with not just the community, but the way that we approach email, uh, the things that we say inside of the courses that we produce, Mm -hmm. the things that we say on our podcast, the kinds of people that we have on our podcast and so on. And really it ends up being the culture of the business and of the, uh, community and of the members. So, whether it's written or not, you need to be thinking about how you want your members to act and the things that you consider appropriate behavior. And I'm not just talking about the typical stuff of, you know, don't um, make people feel threatened or, or um, unwanted or whatever, but also just the uh, little things like, Is it cool to be posting like spamming links to my own products and things like that? You need to be thinking about those things and, um, have a plan of action in mind. If somebody does this, what should we respond with and how can we do it in a way that doesn't just say, Oh, get out of here. You know, you're not supposed to do that more like, Oh, here's why we don't do that because this is what we believe in and, um, instead, we encourage you to do X, Y, and Z, sort of redirecting behavior like you might do with a three-year-old if you happen to have one of those running <laughs> yep. around at home. Right, Steph? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that that really you hit the nail on the head with the culture that you set as the figurehead as the the tone setter as you put it um i have i think jen you would probably agree with this we've been lucky over at courage and clarity we don't have too much of too much like i don't know like people we've had to boot or anything like that and i think it comes down to people um, getting to know me and my style and how i present myself and they want to be part of something that feels um i don't know where we value camaraderie over just like being self-promotional. But I think it is really important. We do have like the code of conduct written and posted just so that when you do have someone, because you're always going to get the one-off person who is clearly going into every community they're a part of and just copy pasting their long form blog post that looks like a Facebook ad for their thing and um, being able to point back to something and saying, hey, like, you know, we you can go read about the rules of of engagement here. We're going to remove this post. Here's why. Like you said. Um, So I think it's a a mix of the intangibles, but also a really good idea to have it written somewhere, too, so that you can, you know, explain it to people. Yeah, yes. and
2: you know you know you've built a strong community when one of those posts go up and you get it reported two or three times right. within the hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so and then Corbett, uh one other facet of what you were talking about, so aside from people knowing and understanding sort of the rules, um, it can be really helpful. To kind of train and help people understand how to be successful in the community as well so in fizzle people are building businesses they want a lot of feedback and i've actually gone through private message if i've seen something go up um asking for feedback and it'll be like hey what do you think of my website and i'll i'll mm. private message the person and say give them the three things to to answer specifically like repost Get more specific about what feedback you want, and you're going to have a way better result. Um, and never doing that in public because it might come across as embarrassing for them. But and then you're you're teaching your community members how to get the most out of it.
0: Yes, yes, yep. And I would I would love to um, call that out as as a separate tip here, which is really to help members understand how to get the best engagement from their posts. Because there are certain things after you've run a community for a while that you'll see over and over again that just don't work for one reason or another. And right. one of those things for us constantly since we're a business community is, hey, can I get feedback on you know my site or whatever, uh, like you said, Jen, is just a dead end because – It is so open-ended and it would take so much of someone's time to Mm -hmm. go and investigate an entire website or an entire product or a business or whatever, and then come up with a list of things. Now that doesn't mean you won't get any feedback, but it, a, a lot of times will sound like crickets when somebody posts something like that, because people just go, uh, I don't know what to say and I don't have time for this. Right. But if you instead turn that around and say, uh, you know, give them the top three tips. Uh, like, well, form it as a specific question, number one, and mm-hmm. uh, then include like a link to a very specific page and direct people to the thing that you want feedback on. Ask for individual mm-hmm. feedback, not open-ended stuff, and you're going to get more engagement. The reason I bring that up is the meta point here that I want to make, Jen, thank you, is is just to help people understand how to get the most engagement with their posts. And so this would be a great thing to send people along with the code of conduct, just like a list of top 10 tips for getting the most engagement. And uh, I'm making mental notes here because I think we should be doing this. We don't actually do this. We, we kind of one-off help people understand, but if you could mm-hmm. do it on an automated basis or when people join, it's a great way to um, to just make sure that people are getting the best experience possible because- you know, people come into a community hoping to get something from it. And if their first experience is that they make a post and get no responses to it, that's a pretty bad experience. And, and that can be the kind of thing that turns someone off. So it's in your best interest and theirs to be posting in a way that encourages engagement from other community members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting towards the top of the hour here. So uh, the last thing that I want to um, leave people with here before we wrap up is another tip about encouraging engagement. And this is something that um, both Steph, you, and Jen, and Barrett Brooks before you, um, being on the Fizzle team and really being in charge of encouraging engagement in the community, have done in different ways. But you really need to be uh, bumping up engagement every once in a while with a structured sort of post or a challenge or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of things that we've done are challenges. We've also done open-ended questions. So if, if, um, each of you wouldn't mind, would you share something that you have done either in your current community or in the physical community on a regular basis? That is like one of your go-to bag of tricks that you use anytime you want to get a bunch of conversation flowing
1: video. (laughs) I want to make sure everybody hears that video is so important. And I know everybody's talking about it, but it is true. Like because communities are places where people are coming to connect and to learn and to grow. Um, especially if you're somebody who likes people, which I'm guessing if you're building a service-based business and, uh, you're craving community, you probably are, um, putting your best foot forward and, and show it like, showcasing your ability, whether your topic is business coaching, Facebook ads, health and wellness, clearing your clutter, whatever it is, um, giving people a sense of like what you look like, what your space is like, how you teach, the way your face and hands move when you're speaking. I can't tell you it's undeniable how often I hear from people, Steph, I bought from you after I saw you on video or after I saw how you teach. It's like the number one thing. In fact, I've had people like, especially when I first launched my signature program, people were like, I don't know what this is, but I bought it. And so I think it's really hard to do that um, without what we all know, which is like, you know, no matter how digital we all get, um, our roots are in being part of a community, being part of a tribe, seeing each other face-to-face. And I think no matter how introverted you consider yourself, we all crave that on some level. So for me, whenever my group gets a little quiet, I like to put together a quick you know, quick little training doesn't have to be long. It can be like a five minute pump up thing. It could be a quick tip. It could be a Q&A. It could be anything really, but really giving people a chance to reconnect with me in a way that is like the mo- human at the most base level, I think is the easiest, most go-to way to, to get that discussion going again.
2: Love it. Mm-hmm. And if I had to
1: look back in the past year at uh, my Clear Your
2: Life community, Courage and Clarity and Fizzle, the thing that I've seen the best results with are challenges. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll run them in all of the, it always boosts engagement. It creates a cohort of people that, you know, they they know the challenge by name. They kind of nickname each other in it. Um, we did a Just Ship It challenge in February and we divided people into teams and they got to name themselves. And like, there's a team sparkle princess kitty who still have a mastermind together, you know, like some real connections were made. Um, And it is, you know, uh, something to put together and to put some thought into, but challenges can be a really, really exciting time in your community. And then aside, yeah, aside from that, like just get people sharing about themselves. Like if you have someone who is a little shy, you want to get that piece of them that's like, oh, I want to add to this, you know? So if you're starting out a community from scratch and you're trying to get the discussion going, like what questions can you ask your members that they would be excited to share about and that it's easy to share about? Mm-hmm. So sometimes we'll hear feedback that people are either posting about their blogs or about their products or, um, you know, just about their their topic and then they're concerned because there's no feedback or engagement, but it's like, well, what's someone going to say? Like, Hey, that's, you know, Hey, nice blog post, right? Like people want to talk about themselves. Like, it's like seeing yourself in the wedding photo like stuff always brings up you know you're looking for yourself in the photos um, and that's totally okay it's a it's a human thing so how True. can you get people talking i really think the easiest way to get people
1: chatting is to have them sharing about themselves mm-hmm. or sharing about what they're working on i think that's a really good one and last one i'll throw on the pile is controversial opinion i mean this kind of goes mm. back to mm-hmm. uh what we shared earlier about like the super ridiculous off the wall email i got i mean i, I shared that because i wanted wanted people to see my rough edges. But also, I'll be honest, I knew it was going to spark discussion because it was so ridiculous. And so you can uh, post things that really are like, kind of clickbaity that somebody can't help but comment on something like a this or that like are you team this or team that uh, really gets (laughs) people talking that's another kind of go-to especially if you have a a, like a contrarian opinion in your industry Um, I did this recently I think around uh, I think the topic was like stop trying to earn a living from your passion and that's like a big thing that you hear people talk about a lot is like chase your passion so when you can think of a way to stir up like kind of ruffle some feathers Mm -hmm. I've found that's a really great way to get people out out of the shadows too
0: uh, i mm-hmm. love it yeah don't always post positive agreeable stuff yes right <clears throat> it's it <gets>, uh <laughs> it gets a little old after a while and um one other thing that i'll add to this uh before we wrap up here is you should have a break the seal kind of question or activity for new members totally because mm-hmm. so many people by default will come in and just um lurk and that's that's fine but if you want to have the greatest chance of retaining someone for a long time as a community member, uh, you need to find a way to pull them into the conversation. You know, it's like whenever you go to a uh, cocktail party, this is something I've witnessed myself do. Um, if I go to a, a conference event or a cocktail party or something and I don't really know anyone, if I uh, just kind of lurk and listen and have a couple of like light little whatever conversations, Then it's really easy for me an hour later to go, "Eh, I'm out of here and then Mm -hmm. just kind of sneak out the back door because there's no one there who's going to go, hey, where did Steph go? You know, or where did Corbett end up Uh, Mm -hmm. versus if you, you know, invite someone in and say, hey, who are you? What's your name? Like, tell us about yourself, blah, blah, blah. Then uh, at least somebody knows your name. And, yep. and it makes people more likely to participate and less likely to just sneak out the back door. So some sort of break the seal question, an easy way to do this is to have a, a welcome thread where you have people introduce themselves when they show up. Uh, but you could have other activities as well. You could ask people to just go comment on someone else's post, you know, to reply to something or, or whatever. But um, giving people license to actually write something in the community as opposed to just reading is a great way to involve people when they first sign up.
1: Yeah, totally. I think we've all observed once you get somebody posting once, they're so much more likely to post again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: thank you both for being here and sharing. I feel like we could easily have a second episode about this stuff <laughs> because we've been doing it for so long. And there is a lot of um, care and feeding and, and um, management and both art and science, I think, to running a successful community and it is so worthwhile there's a reason that i've been doing it for 10 years in various forms and six years specifically inside of fizzle Um, and that both of you run communities as well because they can really pay off in major ways and also it just feels good to know that people are there getting value from something that you facilitate but don't have to be 100 percent in charge of which is great Mm-hmm. Um, also, thanks, everybody, for listening to, uh, for letting me share Palapa, the the uh, public launch of the new software that we've been working on for so long, palapa.co over at p-a-l-a-p-a.c.o. It's our new community discussion platform. And again, if you are a uh, course creator, a coach of some sort, a membership site owner, or somebody who's just interested in building online communities i hope that you'll check out palapa either for your own use or for someone you know maybe you are in a community and they're using some kind of crappy software that you're tired of and would love (laughs) to see them upgrade uh consider palapa as an option and um if you sign up for palapa in Mm -hmm. july expect an email from me directly And um, I will ask you what you're planning to do or what you're hoping to do. And um, if it makes sense, I'd be happy to have a call with you or uh, to help you over email, figure out either how to move from an existing software platform or um, to launch a new community on the Palapa platform. So with that, thanks, everybody, for being here. This is episode 327. You can find the show notes over at fizzleshow.co slash 327. And uh, until next week, hope you all have a good one. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Jen. And we'll talk to you all soon.
2: Thanks for having us. Bye, everyone.